today we're um, beginning a pretty important uh, journey for our church family. Our uh, current leadership team has decided it's uh, time to seek some additional shepherds. Uh, in the past few years, our number of shepherds has decreased a little bit. We like to keep it around 12 for the size of our church. Uh, you remember the Hasselbrings moved to Tennessee, and Jim and Kathy decided it's time for someone else to, to step up, and though I, though I guarantee you Jim hasn't stopped shepherding, you can't not be who you are. Uh, Richard and Melissa are moving to Oklahoma uh, sometime in June, so it's time to replenish our, our pool of leaders. A, a practical reason, I had somebody ask me the other day why, why we're doing this now, and a very practical reason to add a few more shepherds is because we want the size of our shepherding groups to be manageable. Uh, right now, on average, if we have nine shepherds, each shepherd has about 55 people in their group. That's a lot of folks to keep up with. If we have 12, that takes the group size down to about 40, which is um, what they're accustomed to. It's a little more manageable. So today and next Sunday, Barrett and I are going to focus on what God's shepherds look like. Um, Beyond our specific application, what you're going to hear will be useful to you as you think about being a leader, as as you just care for people in in your circle. I believe you'll hear things which will help you lead a family, uh, lead a business, lead in a classroom, lead even in a study group. This isn't just, just for church life. This kind of is, is bigger than that. A few of you are going to be asked to consider being a shepherd for this family. And let's just be honest. There are a lot of reasons to say no. It takes time out of your life. Um, it requires an investment of, of energy, emotional and mental energy and spiritual energy. It can be draining. People, the people business is messy. And some people have circumstances which seem just simply to be overwhelming, and there aren't, you don't know what to do with that. You, you may not want to be responsible. That's a good reason to say no. Why put yourself in a situation to be criticized? The expectations, you may think, are way too high. Uh, you may think you'll never measure up. The bottom line is it's just plain scary, you know, if you think about it, uh, what you're saying yes to. But there are also plenty of reasons to say yes. As you see people recognizing and affirming uh, your specific, your individual giftedness, you know, they're they're asking you to do this for them. And it's rewarding to be a part of something bigger than yourself, uh, part of a team. You'll definitely be put in situations where you'll be stretched, uh, where you'll have opportunities to grow like you never have before. Uh, Your dependence on God will certainly increase, and you'll put yourself in a great situation to listen more carefully to the chief shepherd in your life. I know God has been leading some of you in here on a journey uh, through some training ground for leadership, for servanthood. He's been teaching you about success and influence, brokenness, patience, and joy. He's been sharpening you and challenging you and filling you up. And he's been putting people in your path. And you're learning. You're learning how to be helpful, what to say in certain situations, when to talk, when to be quiet, when to walk away, what to ask, how to answer, and when to leave things alone. You're being prepared for a moment, an opportunity, and you're being prepared to be who you were made to be. So how do you worship God who does that in your life and say no to this open door at the same time? When I was considering um, what to do with my life as a college kid, um, God pressed on me this, this idea of full-time ministry. 
And you guys have heard me talk about this before. It's not anything I had ever planned to do. But he had given me certain experiences and was showing me particular giftedness. And so I came down to thinking about it this way. Um, how do I say no to that, you know? Uh, it would be irresponsible for me to not use those gifts that God had given me. And so maybe that's, you know, that's, that may be where some of you are. You're realizing these people, some of these people in this family who know me very well, are saying, this is, this is something we want you to do. And how, how do you say no to that? You know, how, it's, it's a difficult place to be, to be honest. Let me tell you about my experience of working with our shepherds for the past several years. Uh, they're, they're a solid group of leaders. They're solid in their faith. They're solid in their commitment to us as sheep. I hear that every time we get together. They are dedicated to prayer. They have a focus on Jesus. They're also very diverse in their thoughts and their thinking process. We have engineers, entrepreneurs, educators. We have hands-on guys, big-picture guys, people guys. We have left-brainers, right-brainers, no-brainers sometimes. (laughs) These men do a great job of representing the variety of desires and dreams and concerns we have as family members. And I guarantee you someone on this leadership team probably thinks like you do. These men treat us staff types like fellow leaders on the team. They don't look at us like hired guns or even employees. We're respected, consulted, trusted, supported. And you don't find that everywhere. You typically see animosity between ministers and elders, but that's not the way things are here. Southside is a very healthy family to belong to, um, regardless of your role. We may not have it all together, but we have a focus on Jesus And that's what matters most. And that focus begins with these men. So today I'm going to walk you through a profile of a shepherd with the help of three of our current shepherds. Right from the start, uh, this is a tough task because, to be honest, who in here has ever hung around a shepherd, you know, tending to a flock of sheep? I don't know of any of us in here who have, anybody have sheep? Yeah, I didn't think so. Llamas? No llamas either? All right. I don't know about a llama shepherd, but they might help. Um... The dominant biblical model for spiritual leadership is shepherd and flock. That metaphor emerges over 500 times in scriptures in the Old and New Testament. Yet we have very little experience with this metaphor. And there doesn't seem to be a suitable replacement that anybody's come up with. At one time or another, every one of God's different types of leaders have been referred to as a shepherd. In fact, in Psalm 23, the Lord is my what? His Lord is my shepherd. In Psalm 100, we are his people, the what of his pasture? The sheep. Ezekiel 34, as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock, so will I look after my sheep. God paints his own relationship with us as that of a shepherd caring for his sheep. God also pictures his prophets and priests and kings as shepherd. David was called a shepherd. In Psalm 78, he chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart. Again, in Ezekiel 34, here we read a message to leaders who are responsible for taking care of Israel's health, but instead they were selfish shepherds. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not all shepherds take care of the flock? You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays, or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally, 
So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. So God's, God's, leader carry, God's leaders carry life and death responsibility for their people. It's true for Israel's prophets, and it's true for Southside's shepherds as well. Jesus is identified as a shepherd several times in both the Old and New Testament. In Luke 15, he leaves the flock to go search for the one lost sheep. And when he finds it, he puts it on his shoulders and goes home. John 10 is the most descriptive and comforting section in Scripture about Jesus' leadership as the good shepherd. And I believe that text provides model for us in our search to identify shepherds in our own church family. In John 10, verse 2, the man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of a sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. The first thing you see here is that the sheep recognize the shepherd's voice. Shepherds are men who've been with you in tough situations, in teaching situations, in times of prayer, in tears, and laughter, and you've, you've come to know their voice. Not a voice that barks orders or intimidates, but a voice you want to follow. As we select shepherds, look for those whose voice you know and feel safe following. In verse 9, I'm the gate, Jesus says. Whoever's entered through me will be saved. He'll come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Here we see a shepherd is one who protects the flock from intruders from the inside and the outside. Each night... The shepherd would take his sheep to a pen. It might be an enclosure with, with a rock wall, uh, kind of guarding all the sheep, or it might have been a cave uh, that he would take his sheep to. And one by one, the sheep would pass between his legs, and he would check them for, for ticks and cuts and sores. And then he would lay himself across the opening. So if anyone were to come and go, they'd have to come through him. As we select shepherds, look for men who know you well enough to know if something's going wrong with you. Men who have significant conversations about life with you, not just uh, golf and basketball and weather. Men who you know care enough about you to protect you from evil, evil coming from outside or inside the flock. In verse 14, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I will lay down my life for the sheep. Here we see a shepherd will lay it on the line for the sheep that he's, that's under his care. A hired hand runs away when the wolf comes or when the robbers attack, but not a true shepherd. He'll give whatever it takes to keep the sheep safe. So as we select shepherds, look for men of conviction and commitment for people. We don't need men leading us whose decisions are based on avoiding conflict or based on the influence of controlling personalities. We need direction based on the grace of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need men who will pay whatever cost is called for when it comes to fighting for people and for their, for their respect and dignity and especially their salvation. So after modeling shepherd-type leadership, Jesus passed this model on to his apostles. Three times in one conversation, Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. He's telling Peter to embrace this style of leadership that was modeled for him. It would be hard to imagine after watching Jesus and being coached by him that these 12 men would invent some new leadership strategy other than the one that he modeled. Then we see the apostles pass this leadership on to future church leaders. Uh, Peter says it like this in 1 Peter 5, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering, one who will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers 
Not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. Paul says it similarly in Acts 20. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I'm choosing to emphasize this shepherding model of leadership because that appears to be God's timeless metaphor. You may say words don't matter. Call them shepherds, call them overseers, call them elders, call them bishops, maybe not bishops. My problem with those other names is that they may not necessarily trigger the biblical model and style of leadership in people's mind that the word shepherd does. The idea of shepherd ties us into a whole realm of relationships. A shepherd has a relationship with a sheep. They don't know his voice because he's been licensed as an official shepherd or that he's been through official sheep herding courses or uh, he's passed a test. They know his voice and follow him because he's been loving them and protecting them, listening and talking with them, finding them and carrying them back home, living life with them. For someone to be a shepherd, he must have a what? A flock. He must have a flock. How could you tell if someone has a flock? Well, they smell like sheep. So who do you call if your life's caving in? Who do you call if your child becomes very sick? Or if you're offered a promotion and you're just not sure about what to do with that? Who notices you're in the pits and, you, and they come up to you and they put their arm around you and ask you what's going on? And they talk to you about it. Who knows about tough situations you're facing and is praying for you and your family? Who opens up the word of God with you to give you a message of hope? I have three words I'd like you to consider as, as you look around our church family for men whom you'd call it a privilege to be in their flock, men you'd be privileged to follow. And the three words are these, availability, commitment, and trust. And I've asked three of our current elders to share their experience with you about these three traits in their life as a shepherd. The first one's availability. Shepherds form relationships by being available and accessible. They find you when you need a blessing. They're easy to find and approach when you need to talk. If we're looking to this group of men to administrate all of the church business, to be visionaries for the future, to be leaders in their homes, to be loyal on the job, and to be available and even proactive in relationships with you or your friend or someone you know who needs a visit, they will fail. And they'll fail at all of it. No one can do all of those things. You can't lead like a shepherd without a relationship with the sheep. And memos won't cut it. Announcements at the end of the service won't cut it. Policies don't give you confidence. Who among us is available and has been available to you personally when you need it? One of our current shepherds is particularly wired for relationships, and that's Mike Holder. Uh, He does a great job when it comes to being available, and he's going to talk to you about this trait as a shepherd. Well, Kevin, thank you. I'm not sure I live up to the compliment, but uh, I certainly aspire to be what you've described. Relationships are a major part of my life. I'm thankful for the friendships that I've built throughout my career, through church and daily life. Many of those relationships touch two or all three of those categories. I have work friends who I've spent time with outside of work. Uh, Last summer, I met up with a friend from Wisconsin and one from Colorado and We went to the mountains of Colorado to ride ATVs and hike and fish in high mountain lakes like 
12,000 foot high mountain lakes. <laughs> it, it was a great time. It was a great time. Many of you also know that the Holders and Gordons live next door to each other. That we didn't just wake up one morning and find out we were neighbors. That was intentional. There was a story behind it and a plan that made it all work out. But by the way, that doesn't mean I do a perfect job of checking on the Gordons every Tuesday morning and every Saturday afternoon. Uh, it just means that our families are close and we enjoy each other's company whenever we can. I share those two examples to let you get a glimpse of who I am inside. How relationships and decisions uh, drive priorities. But at the same time, they're not astounding or remarkable examples either. There are a number of people in this room who have a habit of making time for taking in special events with friends, whether it's a NASCAR race, a New York City shopping trip, combined family vacations at the beach. The list goes on. People are in each other's lives. The same goes for being neighbors, too. In fact, two of our current shepherds are neighbors. So what takes it to the next level? The craving, the desire, the need. The need. The need to be with people and see how they're doing. Not just how the weather's treating them, as Kevin mentioned a while ago, or to see if they saw the game last night, but to really want to know them and to see how they're coping with what's going on in their life. To be able to spend time with people and ask about how they're handling their burden, whatever their burden is. To offer an ear to allow them to talk it through. To be present when the wheels are falling off and nothing seems to be according to plan. Now, face-to-face -face is not always possible. And I'm thankful for email and texts and phone calls and Zoom. But I'll always prefer face-to-face. -face. You heard me several weeks ago talk about briefly about the impact that the isolation of COVID has had on me. It wasn't good. And I'm glad to working our way back to normal. I appreciate being able to see your smile or your frown for that matter because it lets me know how you're doing in our conversation. That's why I prefer face-to-face, -face, because face-to-face -face allows both parties to use their senses in the conversation to better express and understand one another. It allows for connection and for empathy and hugs, because we know hugs through Zoom is not the same. Those who know me know that I operate on the premise of being early is on time and on time is late. I've also been known to hang around a bit after things are over. In fact, I've been told more than once to catch the lights on the way out. <laughs> this plays into the idea of being available. Often I'll find someone to chat with and see how they're doing, but this is also a time when you can find me. I'm far from perfect in checking in on everyone who's in my shepherding group. In fact, some days I, I question how far away I am from even being adequate. But I do have confidence in one thing. I will make myself available. I'm pretty easy to spot. My cell and email are published, and most would say that I am approachable. So please, if you need me, let me know. I'm available. 
Being available lends itself to another ministry that Kevin's spoken of in the past. The ministry of presence. No, I'm not talking about presence, about Santa and random gifts on your front porch, even if it's a garden gnome. I'm talking about presence, being there when you're needed. The ministry of presence is a powerful gift that you can give to someone who isn't even sure what they need. There are sometimes just having someone nearby, possibly even without conversation, is enough to provide the support that they need to make it through the trial that they're facing. Presence assures them that they are not ignored, not forgotten, and not alone. A ministry of presence might come very naturally to some, and to others it might feel awkward. But to the receiver, it feels like a blessing. Don't be fooled. Your mere presence can truly make a huge difference in someone's life. Being available is most important to me, and I know it's important to many of you as well. Some of of you will be asked if your name can be submitted as a shepherd candidate. You may likely have that conversation simply because you've made yourself available. You have listened to someone who needed to chat, offered support when a family needed a friend, provided advice where you were sought out because of your experience. Whatever the reason is, don't discount it. It's likely that others feel the same way. Let me know how I can serve you. I love you, Southside. <laughs> Relationships um, require commitment of time and love and self. I mean, we know it's, it's not easy. Shepherds need to be committed to people enough for their plans to be very flexible. Uh, there, are, there are so many one another references in our Bible. There are just all kinds of them throughout, throughout the text. Uh, love one another, serve one another, pray for one another, submit to one another, be patient with one another. And I've heard one of our shepherds, Tom Hedman, talk about these one another passages over the years, and it really boils down to commitment. So he's going to talk to you for a few moments about this trait as a shepherd. Yeah, so Kevin asked me to share for just a few minutes about how I see commitment as an important trait in my role as a shepherd. And the first thing that came to my mind uh, considering commitment uh, was the need for a commitment to grow and to keep growing. Uh, We're all humbled when we think of uh, this task, this verb to shepherd, And we think about the great shepherd and how we all fall so far short. Uh, And But therefore, what we need is a commitment to grow and to ongoing growth. Uh, The areas for growth, of course, are different for every one of us. For me, um, I need, you know, I know that I need to grow in being just more relational in general, less professorial, more relational Um, more connected, more engaged, more available, more uh, approachable. Um, You know, some of us are by nature gregarious, Hunter, uh, Jim Hobbenrich. Um, But for me to be more like the great shepherd, 
I have to focus on the area of being uh, more relational. And for all of us, there's different areas, right, that we can recognize as an area that we need to grow, uh, especially if we're looking at taking on a task of shepherding a flock. Um, but I think I can speak for all the shepherds that one area of growth that we've all had to engage in is in the area of being devoted to prayer, being devoted to prayer. At Southside, we believe in the power of prayer, and we believe in the responsibility of the shepherds to pray over the needs of the flock. Absolutely. High priority. What does that mean, practically? Well, that means time. More time in prayer, more mental energy in prayer for more people, um, different kinds of needs, uh, prayers as the needs arise, typically an email from, from Barrett. Uh, it's become my habit to stop what I'm doing, stop my work, and say a prayer on the spot as I become aware of the need, as that email comes in. It's, it's a developed habit. So, so, so that's a commitment that shepherds in Southside have to have. And I think if we're committed to prayer, we also want these prayers to be relevant prayers. We want them to be up to date. And how does that happen? That happens by being connected, especially with our, our smaller groups, um, seeking out prayer needs. Oftentimes people don't send an email to Barrett, even though they probably should. And so sometimes and that's part of the role of, of having meaningful prayer Relevant prayer is to seek it out. The other thing I wanted to talk about with respect to commitment is, uh, is the commitment to encourage. Yes, I have spoken on this. I believe strongly uh, in this uh, commitment to encourage one another. Fifteen times in the New Testament, we are commanded to encourage one another, to exhort each other to spur on or stir up one another. Fifteen times it's commanded. Uh, Beyond where it's commanded, it's modeled for us countless times in the New Testament. Whole books, whole letters in the New Testament, Philemon, Hebrews, are really modeling this whole idea of encouraging one another. So Hebrews 3, what does it say? It says to for us to encourage one another every day that it's called today. And it tells us why, because we need it. So as Christians, we've got to be committed to coming alongside our fellow sheep and looking for ways to provide encouragement, and certainly all the more for us as shepherds. Um, examples of what this looks like, right? Just initiating with people, looking him in the eye. We don't want anyone to be convinced by Satan that they're not noticed, they're not cared about, um, doesn't matter if they're here or if they're not. Uh, We need to notice what people are doing and praise anything done by faith. The the, the smallest thing to a great sermon. Uh, People need that kind of encouragement and for you to notice what they're doing by faith. Sometimes we just need to encourage people to hang in there, Uh, the biblical term being stand firm, and remind them Jesus is near. 
uh, hold on to the hope that we all share. Sometimes it's just a matter of listening and sympathizing and empathizing, but without neglecting to also call them to remain faithful. Encourage them to try to be outward-focused and not inward-focused, to trust, to increase their trust in God. So there's a lot to do in this area. Let them know that we're praying for them every day, maybe as simple as that, offering a helping hand. So there's, I don't need to go through this list, but I just want you to see that, that this is something that we are all to consider incredibly important, and, and all the more for those that would want to be aspire to be a shepherd. Commitment is that scary word, right? Uh, but if you think about it, a commitment to grow is, is, is rewarding, is self-rewarding. Really is a commitment to encourage. The Bible says, "Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed." Thanks. Yeah, I didn't know you guys were getting getting applause. That's awesome. Uh, our last word is trust, and trust can only come over time and experience. Trust is something that is earned. Uh, we trust people because we know they're not going to back out on us. Ron and Hunter, for instance, have been a part of Southside for more than 35 years together. You know they're here to stay. They're solid. Tony and Dale and Mike and Bob and Chad and Keith, they raised their kids here. And you can see how trustworthy they all are. Richard and Melissa raised their kids here, took a hiatus, and then came back and watched their grandsons grow up here. Uh, in a society where trust is a rare find, the whole idea of shepherding at its core inspires trust. So I've asked Dale to talk for a moment about this trait as a shepherd. Great to see everybody this morning. Uh, This is a very important topic that we're talking about today, next week. It's an important process that we're engaging in to uh, add to the leadership here. Kevin asked me to spend just a couple minutes on the topic of trust. Um, Trust is the firm belief in the reliability, truth, character, or strength of someone. As Kevin said, trust can only be achieved over time and through experience. It has to be earned. So as I think about trust, Trust is critical to relationship. It's impossible to have true relationship with each other without trust. What's one of the fastest things to destroy a marriage? A lack of trust between a husband and a wife. What's one of the fastest things to cause problems at work? Losing trust in an employee or losing trust in a boss. Trust is something that is paramount and foundational to relationships. So there are several traits that relate directly to establishing trust that are very important. Uh, We trust our shepherds because these traits have been displayed because these traits are evident. Our shepherds need to be invested. 
Kevin just gave you some of the backgrounds of the people that are shepherds, people that have been here 35 plus years, people that have raised their families here. I've been here now almost 19 years. In a couple of months, it'll be 19 years that uh, me and my family have been part of Southside. Shepherds are invested in this church, but they're most importantly invested in the body. We care about you as a person. We care about you as part of this family. We care about this body and want the best for each of you. We want to be there to help to participate in life. As Christians, we need to be part of each other's life. That's one of the great things about life groups. I know we've gone through a uh, difficult life group season over the last couple of years, um, but if you're not in a life group, it's really important. As a shepherd, I have uh, <clears throat> just been thrilled with being in life groups over the years, and uh, unlike so- some folks, We've, we've always tried to mix our life group up every few years. You know, we would get a group, we'd be together for three, four years, and then we'd try to mix it up some, just because life group is so important in terms of being able to truly get to know each other and to be involved in each other's life when you're at one another's house every once, once a week. <clears throat> so shepherds are invested. <clears throat> As Mike just talked about, I'm not going to expand on it. Shepherds have to be available within reason. We all have our own families to deal with. But you know, if you need prayer, if you want to talk, seek counsel or advice, reach out to us. We, <clears throat> Kevin mentioned earlier that we have shepherding groups where we basically divide the congregation that each shepherd has a group of people that they try to be involved with. Um, and, you know, you, that may, that's great. But if you have a concern, you don't, if I'm, if you're in my shepherding group, you don't have to come talk to me. If you know Mike better than me or have a better relationship with Mike than me, go talk to Mike. Or go talk to Hunter, or Tony, or any of the shepherds that you are comfortable with. We just have shepherding groups to try to help make sure that somebody, that everyone has someone who's uh, reaching out to them and trying to engage with them. Uh, <clears throat> shepherds keep their word. Matthew five thirty seven says, "Let your yes be yes and your no be no." Um, keeping our word is all about trust. Shepherds are discreet. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, "A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret." <clears throat> We know that when we're talking to you about a personal issue, a concern, 
something that you just want to get off your chest. We know that that's between us. It's not something that we're going to share with others. We're going to talk about with people who are not involved. So you can and should be confident that when you're talking to a shepherd, we're going to be trustworthy, and we're going to be able to maintain the confidentiality that you give to us. Shepherds speak truth. We can't be trustworthy if we're not speaking the truth. However, as Ephesians 4.15 says, speaking the truth in love, that's the key. Speaking the truth in love. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. We all need truth. I need truth. You need truth. We all need truth, and we need a good dose of truth regularly. One of the biggest issues that we're having to deal with in the way the culture is changing is truth has now become relative. It's my truth. It's your truth. I'm sorry I begged to differ. I'll give you some truth. There's one truth. And it's God's truth. But that's something that we need to make sure that we understand. That's something that we need to make sure that we're counseling and teaching our kids about. Because they're being discipled in the world. And if they're not if we're not discipling our kids and telling them the truth, they're going to have a different version and a different understanding. And hopefully parents, uh, you know, here at church, the kids are going to hear a lot of truth about the Bible and about God and Jesus. Uh, Hopefully they're hearing that at home as well. And we're not allowing the world to disciple our kids. Shepherds speak up when needed. That goes hand in hand with truth. If there's an issue, we, we need to be trustworthy to speak up about it. If We need to call a spade a spade when we need to. <clears throat> Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Not a beating, just like the truth. It has to be in love. But that's how you build, that's how you develop trust in relationships. So my prayer for, as we go through this shepherding process, is one, that you do trust us, that are shepherds. And you not only as we pray for you, that you continually pray for us, individually and collectively, as shepherds. <clears throat> and uh, you know, I feel like we have a good relationship 
with the body. And I, I think, you know, this is an example that uh, <clears throat> of trust that you as a body have displayed to the shepherds over the last two years. This has not been an easy time to be uh, leading a congregation or any organization. Dealing with the pandemic decisions around masking and social distancing and can we even meet together or not. Fortunately, we were already working on uh, live streaming right before so that we were, it took us about a week to get on once the shutdown occurred. Uh, so fortunately, providently, we had already been working on that before that started. Uh, but, you know, this has been a very difficult two years to make this, all these decisions to make sure that we're meeting the needs of the congregation and everyone in the congregation. And the trust that you showed us, because even any time that we requested something of the body in terms of how we're going to meet, when we're going to meet, masking or not, um, <clears throat> you followed those requests. And you related, and if you had questions or concerns about it, you related to us in love rather than getting bent out of shape about a request that we had. <clears throat> that reinforces to me strongly the overall health of the body here and something that we need to make sure that we continue to build those relationships and build that level of trust that we have. So as you're thinking about nominating new shepherds, trust has to be a foundational component of who that would be. And I will repeat again, we love to pray for you, and we covet you to continually pray for us because we're not perfect. And we need our own dose of truth, and we need our own uh, growth. Thank you. Okay, so here's how this process is going to work. Uh, a team of five people have been tagged to manage the details of the process. I'll introduce you to them as Jan Taylor, Jim Hobbenrich, Matt Franklin, uh, Mitchell Jones, and Jill Bertram. So if you have any questions about how this is supposed to work out, you can start with one of them. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, this slide kind of outlines the process. Uh, we will hand out a guide to you next week. It has a prayer guide. It talks about, it has the schedule on there, um, what's coming up and how it all kind of works together. This is a process we've used for a few times now. It's been pretty smooth. So here's, here's your mission. I'll just kind of lay this out here. Between now and May 8th, here's what we're asking you to do, all of us to do as a church family. We want you to pray for wisdom in your choices. We want you to seek out men who have a heart of a shepherd. Talk to them about what you see in them. Let them know, hey, I'm writing your name down. Go to them and talk to them and tell them why you're doing that. Fill out the nomination form and turn it into, we'll have some boxes that will be described next week. 
Um, so that's kind of that's kind of where we are. We have a, an internship that these guys will go through through the summer. So this is this process takes us to the through a little bit of into October before we'll be finished with all of it. But um, it's it's really been a a good way for us to pull this off. So we have we have a great family here, and being a shepherd here is both a great honor and a significant responsibility. And I just want to say a prayer before we uh, finish this part that God can guide us smoothly and clearly through this process. Father, we thank you for. Uh, putting us all in this church family together. There's no way that all of us would come together if it weren't for Jesus. And we thank you for the uniquenesses, the different giftedness, the personalities that all come so that we can, we can grow together here, we can love together and learn together and, and go out into the world and be a kingdom influence. We, we pray specifically for our next few months uh, as we identify men to be shepherds, leaders of our church family. We pray that you give us wisdom uh, that you'll give us insight, and that you will be ahead of us in this process all along the way. And we thank you ahead of time for, for your work that you're going to do in us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing a song.